Blog Talk Radio. Take a piece of America back. It's called Trove. It's called Trove. Trove. We the last of the ventures flow as we carry it on our shoulders. I keep my friends close to them devils a lie closer. When the freedom riders approach them, they appetize for vultures. Soldiers of fortune are never no match for soldiers of culture. My flow is so fucking honest. You said you wanted to hear it. You lied, cause all you wanted was for me to lift up the spirit. The truth is too fucking ugly. And trust me, the shit got layers. You touch me, you think you're tough. Leave it toothless as rugby players. The truth is too say it's disgusting. The true saviors remove with the gangs. You niggas sweeter than fruit flavors. The true slayer. Proving it's true to the hide from. As you misguided as missiles or a suicide bomber Taking orders from the mullah Waiting for karma to pull up They don't just no match for bullets It's rarely ratchets and bullets Got a race and a mean a lie Like the chase and the wood a cop car Like honor and being a martyr And the terrorist is a rock star Dodging the Abu Dhabi You're dodging the paparazzi Still probably as popular as swastikas the Nazis The cops protect the property properly When they crack a head Murderers get as cocky as Perseus When the crack is dead I wonder we'll be running through these crackers' heads And why niggas are spilling more blood than Cincinnati cats with black and red I take an act of go back to bed Allergic to the fumes, having a funeral for the news Cause the fact is dead The trust is gone from the neocons to Barack Obama America eats young from Casey Anthony to the Octomom wow. Fix it and mix it up like martial arts in the Octagon I the fire to burn down by the line. Take a piece of America Suicide bomb, Protestants, Bibles, or Quran or Islam From Genghis Khan to Vietnam, I can smell the napalm Rape victims, rip stockings, redneck clan members Doing church bombings, innocent fetuses being aborted with no options Humans, government, ruin them, worrying what weapons could be used to be nuking them Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem Slaves treated like property, the Pearl Harbor, the Hiroshima, the Nagasaki Adolf Hitler, to every murderous Nazi, to the Gambinos, to the Gaudis To every mafia atrocity, child pornography, babies starving to dying in poverty Serbians fighting Croatians in Yugoslavia, Muslim women being raped up the Forty thousand in the war of Bosnia, the fifty million killed in the Second World War. The government poisoning the minds and the bodies of the babies that are born poor. Airplanes blown up by Islamic extremists and religion. There's always drama. Whether worshiping the Prophet of Muhammad or Jesus, smallpox and Napoleon, troops dying from typhus, from the Spanish flu to the Black Plague. Today it's the AIDS virus, bodies in coffins, political extortions, racist mobs murdering Willie Turks, Michael Griffith and Yusuf Hawkins. Check the murder rate, the human nature, the murder and hate. The Catholic Church claim women were witches and burn them at the stake. Pedophile predators. 38 Beretta used by Gandhi's assassin 16 bullets in Malcolm It happened uptown Manhattan A homicide Reagan 80's epidemic A crack and soldiers in action Dying in Iraq And never coming back And now let's, let's Take a piece of America Back You will learn It's called Trove It's called Trove It's called It's called It's called You will learn It's called Trove It's called It's called well, 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 Third Rail Radio coming your way with your host. Antichrisis 73 and Dan Catdalek. Call in now, 646-929-1480. Now your host, Antichrisis 73 and Dan Catdalek. Alec, how the hell are you tonight, brother? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. 
Right on, man. Steady Eddie, baby. I love it. How's uh how are the hills in uh in in the legalized state? Uh it's pretty well, but yeah, but like um and here's one thing about like over here in Colorado. It's a lot more expensive. It's a lot more actually. It's a lot more expensive for like the legal stuff instead of like the black market shit. So since all the taxes and there's a lot of regulation within the pot plants, so it's a lot more easier to do it like with the the black market, a lot more shady markets areas instead of the uh, yeah. I can't think. But uh, dispensary. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's that's a that's an interesting point. Um, and and fuck it, we'll get right into it. Um. Uh, not too long ago, I had a pretty good conversation with several people in our little uh, sector of the of the Twitterverse about uh, you know preferring. Um, I my view on on pot um, is it should be decriminalized. Um, you know, like drinking. Um, I would much rather at this point go see uh, the guy I buy my herb from and have for a decade. Um, you know, into his home, into his comfortable home, than going into a sterile, um, sort of zany, um, almost like clinic environment of a dispensary. Um, but uh, that being said, um, you know, I know that it's it's in most places it's not as easy to um, safely procure uh, quality uh, plant quality marijuana as it is in Vermont. Um, so I do sympathize. And, and I, I mean, I do overall support the dispensary um, movement. I, I, I've heard of, of several uh, locations um, around the country um, that have dispensaries, one of them um, being uh, Flint, Michigan, um, where they're, the, the dispensaries are so saturated. Um, there's too many dispensaries. Um, you know, for for the pop for the population that inhabits the area, and so um, you know, just like with any pharmaceutical, um, what you have is uh, diversion. You have um, you know people who go and get their ounce or whatever prescribed amount it is, and and then sell of it, and then you have uh, the farmers who sell uh, or the growers who sell. Uh, you know, a certain amount of their books to dispensaries um, and pay taxes on it. And then um, out the back door goes their uh, kid's college, or in the back door, I should say, comes their kid's untaxed college fund or, uh, you know, the uh, new boat or whatever. Um, you know, so so I, we're a long way from, from sort of any sort of normalized uh being a uh, normalized marijuana culture, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and 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 I think that's a good thing. You know, marijuana it, it's not for everybody. I mean, drugs aren't for everybody. Um, you know, it, there's there's a certain uh, um, romantic quality uh, to sort of the counterculture nature of of marijuana. And um, if you've seen people uh, whose brain chemistry doesn't quite fit the template um, for marijuana or other psychoactive drugs. Um, oh, yeah. It's an, ab- it's an absolute fucking nightmare for them. 
Um, oh yeah. Um, I, and here's a little story. Um, my mom uh, had to get like marijuana because what happened is that she got West Nile virus. Uh, it was actually one of the first cases here in Colorado, and. Uh, what happened is that her back was like really achy and stuff, so they did a spinal tap and messed up her whole back. And uh, it, she's actually still kind of suffering through it. And uh, the earlier days, like like in the the start of it, um, she she was using marijuana, but she would get so pissed off, she would get so angry. It was it was hell. Yeah, I mean, when you, by using it, it would put her in a in sort of a discombobulated mode. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, a spinal tap is no joke, man. Well, the movie was was hilarious, but the actual procedure, um, I think it's one of the uh, one of the most painful um, medical procedures. Uh, you know, they got to get up in that spinal fluid and extract. Um, your mom probably told you how long the uh, the needle was. Sweet Jesus, man, bring me death before a spinal tap. <laughs> and thank God I'm not a woman either, because uh, you know what is that? They, there's a test where they go and remove fluid from the um, um, uh, um, from the womb. I think it, it's called a um, Oh God, amniocentesis, and and uh, it's used to to detect early detect uh, genetic um, problems with a with a fetus with a you know a, a very very um, young small tiny fetus um, and the amniotic fluid yeah and uh, um, apparently that is right up there with a spinal tap um, so if I was a woman um, well. I, I would get the epidural, the epidural if I was giving birth. Um, actually, I actually have an epidural uh, coming up on Tuesday. Um, they're they're actually quite fun. Um, if you have if if you're in the right setting, you put a little mood music on. I mean, literally, the bottom half of uh, of your of your body is just gone. It vanishes. Um, oh, but, dude, that's you know, fascinating. Damn. Yeah, recreational awesome. epidurals are for everybody, though. Um, I just want to go ahead and put that out there. So, um, so tonight we have an awesome guest, yet another um, uh, interesting uh, person, entity, uh, blog. I was on that blog fucking since last night, um, and all and all the and on and all the tangents. Um, uh, that that come with it, but um, it's a really well put together blog. Of course, uh, I'm talking about um, our guest um, runs a blog. Don't tread on don't tread on us blog. Um, and uh, there's so many different interesting facets. Everything from Dogecoin, which I'm really to talk about. Um, and I think you should handle that that part of the interview, Dalek, because um, you. Uh, um, you're a, you're a shy, right? Isn't that what it's called? A sheep, but it's fine. A sh- sorry. It's fine. A sheep, yeah, I love that. So you're a sheep. You know a ton about 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 this more than I do. I did open my um, Dogecoin wallet uh, day before yesterday, though, and transfer 
put my Bitcoins in there. Um, man, it's hard to retrieve Bitcoins from closed down uh, um, dark web uh, drug drug sellers. Um, but it can be done. But it can be really? done. Damn. <laughs> it can be done. Well, interestingly enough, uh, the person, a.k.a. Josh, is on the line. So how's it going, Josh? Eh, not too bad tonight. A little little humid out here in Connecticut, but other than that, pretty good. Josh, welcome to Third Rail Radio, man. I have been on your blog for way, way too many hours in the last uh, 20 hours. Um, and uh, I imagine that you don't run that blog uh, by itself. Um, I'm going to put the uh, link in the chat because um, everybody should book, bookmark it. It's got um, a wide array of uh, subjects it covers. Um, Definitely, um, and Josh, uh, chime in at any point um, while I'm while I'm promoting um, your your website blog. If I if I say anything wrong, but it really does cover everything um, from uh, police corruption, ACAB to uh, cryptocurrency, um, to more mainstream uh, um, news stories. Um, got a, a great video section. Um, I really, I really appreciate a good, a well set up site like that. So, uh, uh, Dalek, thank you for introducing it to me. And Josh, welcome to the show, man. Um, you're in Connecticut. I'm a little bit up, up north. I'm in Vermont. Um, we're probably 10 degrees cooler. Um, but uh, welcome, brother. How goes, uh, how goes the battle? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, just, just to, I mean, like when I started my site. I mean, it was it was really more of a just kind of for shits and giggles kind of thing. Um, you know, I was I was just kind of playing around with uh, you know the Weebly um, you know free site things, and uh, you know me and a friend that I have down in Texas um, decided you know hey fuck it let's turn this into like an actual you know website and um, you know my original like thought process on it was to have sort of a almost, you know, drudge report kind of like where, you know, a little mix of pretty much every, you know, facet of news you can touch. And, you know, I would just post whatever I found interesting. And then if, if you know, me or my friend had, you know, any sort of little rant or something, you know, post that up. And, I mean, it's really, it, it's blossomed from, like I said, it was more of a, you know, kind of just for jokes to, you know, an actual, an actual website. And I, it, it's a lot of work, but I don't really consider it work. I mean, uh, it's just kind of, you know, this this is what I do now. It, it's I love being, you know, kind of in this section of alternative media. It's kind of cool. And then, you know, just being able to meet, you know, new people like you guys, just literally from, you know, a Twitter conversation is is pretty crazy. Yeah, it it it's, it it is. It's incredible. Um, you know, for all the cynics out there. Um, you know, Twitter, social media, whatever, particularly Twitter for me, um, it works, man. The shit's real. I have a very busy real life, a very uh, busy social life, um, and uh, it's kind of the point now where I've met so many cool people on here where uh, I, I, I often prefer to be with my, in my Twitter universe than uh, my real universe, much to the chagrin of some of my, my friends and, and 
Um, but, you know, hey, I, I agree. I think it's an amazing thing. I mean, we're here to connect. We're here to, um, you know, observe and connect and, and show each other things. And, uh, and I mean that in sort of an existential way. Um, so you're in Connecticut, and you, you, you and a uh, guy from Texas do it. Um, Dalek's in Colorado. Um, I'm in uh, Vermont. Um, there's a, uh, a band um, that Dalek and I and, and some of the other uh, people in the chat room um, enjoy called uh, uh, Blue uh, Vino, and um, they are also uh, geographically separated by several hundred, if not more, miles. Um, and do incredible work, um, you know, in the ether. I love it. I love that shit. Um, you know, I, I, that, uh, that, that people underestimate the, um, um, the sort of the profound nature of the connections that you can make um, in this uh, emerging paradigm. Um, so good for you. And uh, I, I, it looks, I mean, it, so just two of you guys do that, that blog, it's updated. Um, I'm going to drop the uh, um, link in the chat. Um, one, sorry, one quick sidebar. Has, has anybody else noticed already um, that uh, their broadband um, allocation is behaving differently? Um, oh, yeah. My, the, the service we have from AT&T is absolutely terrible. I mean, my, mine, um, mine was good, uh, you know, and I've, you know, seeing, seeing uh, connections where they're not, maybe. But, uh, you know, up until the, the sort of the net neutrality argument went south um, about two weeks after that, I noticed that my, um, with my phone, when it's on, the, on my Wi-Fi network at home, it will piggyback back and forth off the 4G, um, you know, and I can watch, watch it on the on the uh, monitor, um, on the log monitor, um, and that never used to happen to me. And so right now um, I'm calling in on my phone, and I used to be able to switch right to, um, you know, the chat room and, and and work in the chat room. I can't do that anymore. That's incredibly frustrating. But I can do it this I will adapt and overcome. All right. Um, Josh, one one thing that did stand out, of me, um, out at me about about uh, don't tread on um was that um, I did see Alex's Alex Jones uh, um, face uh, prominently displayed a couple of places. Um, it, what, what what's your um, uh, how, how, how should I say this? A lot of a lot of people um, sort of take their first steps off of um, you know the uh, typical path um, with Alex Jones. Um, I, I, I I am um, that that is definitely something that happens, and I think he serves an awesome um, in that capacity to get people sort of the first or second. Uh, step down, um, you know, a path away from uh, um, what's presented to us as uh, as concrete, um, right, wrong, moral, ethic, etc. Um, what, what do you what do you think about Alex's work? Do you think that um, 
that he's a legitimate journalist? Do you think he's a provocateur? Um, give me the lowdown on him. Well, I, I'd have to say um, he was definitely, I'd say, the first person to really, um, you know, kind of open my eyes. And I think, if I remember back, it was a couple of years ago at this point, I think, honestly, I, I caught just an interview um, that he did with Ron Paul. Um, and, you know, that led me to checking out some of his other stuff. And, um, you know, in terms of his, his radio show, um, I, I, you know, I, I do listen to it quite often. And, um, I mean, part of the reason I listen to it is because he, he can be entertaining. Um, you know, when he gets all worked up, gets all riled up, you know, it, it, it can be, you know, it's more entertaining than listening to someone just kind of rattle some facts off. Um, but at the same time, I'd say the fact that I've listened to him for so long, I can kind of, you know, pick out where he's stopping with the information and just kind of going off on a tangent. Um, and that's, I think, the big thing. A lot of people that that kind of take shots at him, I think they don't necessarily check out, you know, the actual the website, you know, Infowars, where he's got some pretty good some pretty good writers and everything on staff. And you know, that's another thing is I'll I'll post something from him where they're talking about you know you know he's got a document or something and. Of course, it's hilarious to watch Alex yell about how he's got, you know, some brand new document, and a lot of people laugh that off. When you actually go to the website, read one of the articles that the writers have written on it, and you know, click the hyperlink and look at the actual documents he's talking about, you know, nine times out of ten, it may sound crazy, but he's usually pretty spot on with a lot of stuff. And um, you know, like I said, the radio show. You can take it for what it is. You know, he's got three hours to fill. You can't just, you know, have as many listeners as he does with the usual NPR, you know, monotone voice. And, uh, you know, I think, again, when also you look at, like, some of the documentaries he's done, like the Obama deception and, and some of those things, you know, they're they're really well put together. And a lot of those, it kind of takes him out of it. And, you're you know, you're just listening to the people he's interviewing for it. And, you know, I think... There's a lot of good information, and, you know, hey, there's stuff he gets wrong, as I think, you know, most people in media, no one's ever 100% accurate. I don't think, you know, you really can't be. Um, you but, you know, like I said, I'd say nine times out of ten, it, it may sound crazy, but it, he's usually on the right track. You made a couple of a couple uh, really solid points about uh, Mr. Jones. Um he does. He does have several good staff writers. Uh, uh, Joseph Paul Watson or Paul Joseph Watson. Yeah, Paul uh, Joseph Watson. Uh, his brother Steve Watson. Um, both of those guys are good. And then there's is it James Corbett who used to. Um, uh, he used to. Um, I think he's gone off on his own. Um, he does the Cor- Corbett Report. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's a corporate report. That so. dude is fucking money, man. He's, yeah, he's done some pretty good stuff. Um, he's got some great insight. I don't know why he still lives in Japan. Um, um, you know, at this point, we should all move to Greenland, by the way. Um, sidebar. But uh, um, he he really does... Um, he does great research. His writing team is great, um, and his presentations. Um, you know, I, I guess I like um, I like sort of his more dry scientific approach. Um, yeah, Alex Alex's um, uh, infotainment um, 
uh, right, or, or newstainment, um, just like the rest of them. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to uh, fully divorce him. Um, he was the, he was, you know, like I said, I took my first couple steps down kind of the, uh, hey, things aren't really what they seem, are they? Um, yes, Greenland, Glenn. It, it rocks and it's melting. And the land is cheap and it's free. I mean, free, like living, like people are allowed to be free, um, uh, you know, in his movies. And um, when, when Alex Jones is narrating, um, and, and he puts together some pretty goddamn good documentaries, I'm not going to lie, um, or disparage him for that at all. What, what does, um, besides just, you know, irking me on a personal level, what, what does sort of um, uh, cause uh, me to chagrin when I, when, I, when I tune into him um, and and I'm not in the mood to kind of just lulls around and fucking, you know, laugh laugh at him or with him or whatever. Um, is uh, is he he emanates this um, uh, he emanates this hubris um, that I find sort of uh, detestable, um, and um, he makes himself um, such an easy target. Um, for for you know anybody who is towing um, you know the traditional line, um, and uh, uh, he 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 can kind of what he he can kind of undermine um, the legitimacy of what of what he's saying if it is indeed you know one of those times where he's saying something legitimate. Um, because of because of like his rhetoric and his animation, um, and uh, you know if if you take something polarizing like absolutely polarizing like nine eleven, um, you know which my my personal um, opinion on is the story that we've been given isn't the way it happened, um, but he he can make sort of a. a uh, a jest, um, like a, a, a sort of a, a mockery of um, uh, the legitimate questions, um, you know, that still need answering from that fucking uh, charade, from that debacle. Um, you know, 9-11 is the litmus test. Um, but uh, my, those are just my thoughts on Alex Jones. But I, I love the site. Um, it, has a, it has a libertarian slant to it. Uh, def- definitely. I mean, personally, I, I-, I consider myself, um, you know, a voluntarist, uh, an anarcho-capitalist. Um, and it, I'd say to some extent when the site started out, I was still, um, you know, I-, I was a minarchist, really. Um, it wasn't until a little in- into my, you know, really diving in that I came across people like Adam Kokesh and, you know, just, just that general, you know, anarcho-capital standpoint and, um you know, I, I, I think to some extent, like you know, some of the rants and stuff that we'll post, that definitely comes out there. You know, in terms of news, you know, like I said, if I, if I find the news itself interesting, you know, I cover it. You know, it doesn't even matter necessarily where where it's from. It's, you know, I, I try to share a little bit of everything. I, I mean, if, you, if you're only looking in one spot for information, you're, you're definitely not going to, you know, 
you're limiting yourself. So, you know, it's definitely libertarian leaning, um, you know, message of freedom. What's, what's not to love about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. You do need to look everywhere if, if you're really on an, on an honest search for um, the fuck is going on in this world. Um, even the zaniest, most sort of uh, outlandish um, tales, lies, and exaggeration uh, can have a little kernel of truth in them. And it's, it's, uh, it's up to the skill of the reader or the researcher to, to pick that kernel of truth out. Um, you know, because let's face it, all mainstream media is just fucking slinging bullshit. Um, Fox News yep. has been has been particularly uh, offensive. Um, um, I don't I don't find really anything offensive, to be honest. Um, but um, there's a woman on Fox News that I had the the utter displeasure of um, uh, seeing on on TV while I was renewing my driver's license. I think she's a judge. If this uh, judge a- Judge Jeannie Perot. Holy fuck, man. Somebody fucking muzzle that whore. Well, I don't know if you know, but the the reason I cannot take her seriously at all is she used to have one of those, like, daytime, you know, civil court Judge Judge Judy shows. And if you go and watch some of the stuff on YouTube, you, you just watch it and you go, how the fuck do you put this person on TV to be talking about important news. It's like she used to be Judge Judge Judy. How do you take that seriously? I mean, oh, really? On, <laughs> you really? She was, man. She was a fucking, uh, like, a, you know, a half an hour, like Judge Wapner. Judge <laughs> Judy, like soap opera, courtroom, uh, Montel Williams, trash. Yeah, and then uh, she wants to come on and act like she's some, you know, amazing constitutional scholar judge and it's like well you look at that and then you look at the fact that someone like judge napolitano who they only put on fox business they yanked him off the air within you know i think it, he wasn't even on like a year but yeah he, he is on the main fox channel it's, it doesn't make sense yeah yeah i i mean and how about this this is something that that i i've, I've been noticing more and more since we're talking about mainstream media um, since when did, what, did it become okay for actual news anchors working for actual news networks to present the news in a, in a fictitious tale in a movie as if it's the real news? This is something new. I mean, new to me, which may mean it's five years old or something, but... Um, you know, where, let's say, like, Chris Matthews is actually at the CNN or MSNBC or wherever the fuck he uh, um, works, um, but he's at this, the set that you see if you turn on CNN uh, on cable, um, it, but he's in a movie. Like, that, that, that is crazy. That's, that's breaking... Um, uh, the line between reality and, and the suspension of disbelief. Um, and movies, films, works of fiction, uh, works of creative works are supposed to bring us into this world of where we can suspend our belief and, and have, um, you know, have, have a moment of fantastical fun. 
and then to uh, invade that um, in dimension with, you know, not just like the news guy's getting paid a little extra moonlighting because he's just doing sports for the local network. It's like fucking the whole CNN set is on is is on the movie set is in the movie set. Uh, what? Well, I- that's what mainstream media is these days. I mean, it's more its more about just can we get viewers than, you know, are we actually going to present the news? And, uh, I, I mean, I will give Fox just a smidgen of credit because when you look at, like, CNN's coverage of, you know, like the Boston bombings or or the, um, the missing airline flight, you know, they had people on talking about did, did the plane disappear into a black hole you know stuff like that, and then the the Boston bombing coverage. They had people out on the streets, and you know a police a single police car would drive by, and the person would jump on camera. Oh my God, there's a car, and he's driving down the street. What's going on? And it's like, what what are you doing? You know, you, you're putting on a show for people. You're not presenting the news. Um, yeah. uh One thing uh, one thing about this. Uh, uh, earlier today, I went up to the mall to get some clothes and, you know, go up shopping. Um, uh, and also, I had to take the bus. And for people, like, around the area, um, it, it's it, it's okay, but not the greatest over here over at the, the GT uh, on the bus. And uh, while we were going through the route, uh, there was a uh, a um, there was the uh, the uh, the CNN uh, no no what was it I think it was like a big news channel place which was like it had uh, the Fox News with the NBC on it and also ABC like re- right near in that whole one building so yeah just wanted to talk about that because yeah you know, good. I mean that's a good point it's just. It's just uh, like further consolidation, right? Um, Dallas. <clears throat> yes. What do you what, let's? Uh, you want to take a quick break? Let everybody get settled in. Grab a beverage. Um, um, let Josh grab a beverage. Um, did that uh, uh, Dahlia Was- Wasafi uh, speech ever come up on the soundboard? I was racing to get it on there. Um, but it may not be on there. But uh, why don't we take a quick break, spin a tune, Dalek. Um, Josh, how are you for time? You good to go for a while? Uh, yeah, I'm good to go. Just during this break, I'm going to have to change phones. The battery on this one's dying, so I'll call right back in. Cool. No okay. worries. It's great to have you. Uh, we'll get into a whole bunch of a bunch of topics, some that are going on now. I, do, I did, did notice, I did follow your uh, rabbit hole you do uh you have researched 911 quite a bit um i'd love to talk to that uh at some point tonight so uh if we if we're not getting there dalek remind us uh um because uh you 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 have seen you have done your research um and and i still think it's a really um uh, it's it's a real hurdle um that we have yet to get over hence isis back in iraq uh syria and away we go. Dalek, let's listen to uh listen to some tunes. I'm gonna uh, funnel a beer and smoke a bowl and uh we'll be right back. Alright, so I'm gonna try to figure this out. I don't know. I think we might as well listen to a little bit some civil war. You know what? 
you. Welcome to Third Row Radio. If you guys would like to call in, it's 646-929-1480. Now your host, Antichrist is 73 and Ancabdalic. The fucking jam right there. Brother Ali crushes that at the end. Uh, that's a two, two good ones. Learn Truth, uh, Talib, and uh, R.A. the Rugged Man, and then... Uh, Followed up by by the uh, by the trifecta, um, civil war, mortal technique, um, excellent. Um, so I'm going to give you a quick breakdown on what's going on in the world. You know, I always threaten to kind of do this in my head, and then I kind of back off. Um, but uh, a quick summation of what's what's going on in the world here, um, specifically in the Middle East. Um, and 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 how it's just the same shit, different day. Um, you know this whole this whole codified language um, trick, um, terrorist um, terrorism. Um, you know we all know that's a charade. Um, you know ISIS is no more uh, dark, evil, uh, maniacal. Um, no more closely related to the devil than um, any street gang in, in, in this country that puts in serious work. Um, you know, what we're looking at happening in, um, in Iraq and the wider region in general is um, uh, the um, intentional creation of a vacuum um, that the United States created um, to foment sectarian violence um, along uh, ancient religious, tribal, um, and and not at all geographical or, or border, um, you know, as, as far as uh, the way we look at maps or, or the way borders, countries, et cetera, uh, sovereignty is, is presented to the Western world. None of that makes any difference over there. Um, you know, the borders that are over there, at least in the map, on the maps, um, those are creation of the Western world. It's the fucking desert. The whole place is the desert. There are tribes that live in the desert. There are Muslims. Um, the, the, there's, you, you're hearing... Um, in the media a lot, this term uh, um, caliphate, and um, and and there's you can go a couple different directions with the term caliphate. Um, the reactionary uh, approach, the the reactionary knee-jerk um, direction is, is to um, immediately assume that Muslims are trying to take over the world. That Barack Obama is Muslim. That with John Boehner's a fucking Muslim, that Ted Cruz is a fucking Muslim, um, that there's Muslims everywhere. Um, uh, that's that's fiction. Kind of far, dude. That, that's, I mean, that's fantasy. That is, that, that, is not, that is not reality. In fact, if you, if, if you read history and you, and you look at both the Quran and uh, the, the old uh, parameters of um, of the Muslim Empire of the original caliphate, 
Um, they did not extend um, west past Constantinople. Um, you know, nor did they extend east, um, you know, past what? Like Turkmenistan, uh, maybe Uzbekistan at the, at the, at the farthest east. Um, you know, so don't, don't, don't get caught up in this old, you know, ISIS and Syria and how, you know, whoever, whoever the, uh, the boogeyman du jour is, or, you know, they're, um, they're coming for us. They're coming for America. They're here already. That is the biggest load of fucking bullshit that that could possibly be laid at a very, very um, manipulable and gullible audience. Um, it's this is this is the project for a new American century being thrown back on the table. Uh, you see all the usual suspects from the neocon um, contingency, uh, you know, stepping forth, putting in their two cents on the Sunday morning news shows, um, getting reinvolved in policy, um, you know, and these are the guys um, who, who in some way or another instigated 9-11, um, complicit, I'm not sure, I really don't know. But in some in some way instigated it, um, you know, an argument can be made that they had the ability to perhaps uh, activate the necessary um, agencies that were right on the hijackers if they were the hijackers' tails and could have stopped them, um, and they and they pulled they pulled back from doing that. Um, these Rumsfeld, Cheney, Wolfowitz. Uh, Crystal, uh, Bremer, um, Biden. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. Don't forget. Um, also, uh, Con, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice, um, to a lesser degree, and then you get into like the you know sort of the uh, the the old the old tribe um, with. Uh, uh, Negroponte and and uh, the architects um, who who served fucking how much wealth and blood from Central America, um, you know. So so let's just let's just be clear. Uh, ISIS is not going to be showing up, um, uh, you know, on your doorstep. Um, for that matter, al-Nusra won't be showing up on your doorstep. Al-Qaeda won't be showing up on your doorstep unless, unless, unless they're escorted there. Um, you know, you have, you have, there are far, far more things to be concerned about um, than, uh, you know, um, jihad, you know, past um, Turkey, okay? And, uh, you know... Turkey, Syria, they, they've all gotten themselves so, so involved and enmeshed and embroiled in, uh, in uh, this mess in Iraq, um, you know, that, hey, they're going to they're, they're reap what they sow. They're going to get what's coming to them. And, and uh, you know, if forces, uh, you know, currently fractured um, forces, splintered forces that uh, – uh, 
occupied geographical regions in Syria, um, Iran, Saudi Arabia, uh, Jordan, Lebanon, um, happened to join together um, and decide that they no longer need um, the, uh, um, the parameters of, of the Western perception of how uh, countries within their world um, should be divided, then I have no problem with that. Um, let Adam, you know, it's, it's one of the big questions is do we intervene? What, what, if, what is the appropriate, correct response for yes, we intervene? Because if it's, a, if it's, if it's from a humanitarian standpoint, if that's, if that's the straw man argument that somebody is going to present, that's horseshit, horrific thing happening every five minutes all over the fucking world, you know? So that argument doesn't work. And it's pretty oxymoronic, I mean, trying to be more humanitarian by killing people. I mean... Hey, Dallas, did you see uh, that Josh is back, back in the queue? Uh, yeah, I think he's on right now. Uh, Josh, are right. you there? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. You're back. Awesome. Yeah, then I'm here, I guess. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was ranting there a little bit. But, uh, it's, I mean, it's just important to put everything into perspective. Um, uh, because, you know, um, as we all know, divide and conquer, that's, you know, they're still running that trick. They're still running that trap on, uh, you know, on the populace. And uh, in order to do that, we need to be pushed to one pole or the other. Uh, you know, a one or a zero, a slasher and a, or an O. Um, you know, but 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 that's not reality. That's not, you know, the disconnect, the disparity between what's presented as the conventional wisdom on, uh, of, you know, um, sort of the the opinion of of um, you know the populace in the news, um, and not just the news in the United States, but also um, everywhere else in the world, um, you know, it, it, it forces people to go black or white, you know, left or right. Um, life is very nuanced. Um, the world is very complex. Uh, these relationships between um, Sunni, Shia, um, uh, you know, Wahhabi. Um, the current That's been going on for... Uh, you know, thousands of years. I, w what makes us think that, you know, a few more palms dropped over there is going to change something that's been going on almost as long as recorded history goes back? And, and, and I mean, and in fact, you know, it's interesting the way, you know, the way that these factions and, and you know, pre-Muhammad pre um, tribes um, operate is, is not unlike the way... Uh, Native American, Indigenous American um, um, peoples uh, here in America operated um, before, uh, you know, we landed, white men landed in the United States or, or in the New World. Um, you know, these are, these are skirmishes. These are battles um, uh, where uh, boundaries are uh, hunting grounds, uh, resource grounds. Um, and, it, and it does scale up to today, I guess. But um, the difference was that, that 
um, there were, you know, there were uh, unspoken uh, limits to sort of sort of the carnage that one um, group could uh, inflict upon another. Um, you know, genocide was never the goal. It was it was protection, um, and and yes. Yeah, so to to think that to think anywhere in the world that intervention um, on this scale. Um, is a good idea, you know. I, one of the bright, one of the few few bright spots in our in the last decade or so of U.S. history was um, was uh, Obama at all deciding not to act um, in Syria after that concocted um, chemical attack uh, footage report and what followed. Um, you know that. That gave that did that gave me some hope. Um, you know, the people weren't buying it. Um, uh, the internet did its job. It 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 put forth all the bullshit. It um, debunked it, uh, broke down pictures, videos, um, and you know what? We didn't we didn't go in there. Um, yeah, well, I think the amazing thing is that wasn't even like you know Americans were opposed to it. That was literally the world you know, at the same time standing up and saying, no, that we're calling you on your bullshit. You know, like, it, it, it's not as white as you seem to think it is, you know. It, it, and like, like, it was, literally, it was the entire world. And I think that's one of the first times in, in you know, my lifetime that, you know, the majority of people said no more war. Yeah, it, it, re- it really was a bright, a bright spot. And you're right. I mean, I think, like, sort of the Western game, the Western fucking Kansas City shuffle, yeah, people aren't buying it anymore. Either, you know, the, the petrodollar is too, too on the close to, or too on the edge of being done, um, or just the, the old song and dance is too old and too tired and it just isn't working anymore. Um, but yeah, I agree. It was the world. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, cautiously optimistic um, that that this will happen again, that simply there's no logical argument that can be made by any sane person that came about a few bombs on the situation will somehow bring about a uh, resolution. Um, you know, it's almost as if, it's almost as if when, when you're left with no other answer but that it's fucking horseshit, um, that's what happened, and, and you know, hopefully it'll happen again. I mean, we 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 have 575 uh, special forces in in Iraq right now. That's a lot of fucking special forces. That's a lot of badass motherfuckers. Um, you know, um, I'm just kind of rolling on here with 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 ISIS and and. You know, interject, interrupt me. I, you know, I'll just ramble. Um, you know, there's there. I right off of your blog, Josh. I I got into kind of um, a series of very interesting, uh, contradictory articles um, about um, Saudi Arabia um, and and uh, you know their role. Um, in, in this whole thing, it, it is it is my belief from from what I've from my research and what I've read that um, the House of Saud is specifically uh, the prince 
not the king, the prince, is uh, funding um, ISIS uh, out of his own uh, personal uh, little, uh, you know, account, not not the, not the House of Saud account, not the Saudi Arabia account, not the oil account, but his own little, um, you know, allowance. Uh, yeah, I'd argue that that's really, really nothing new. I mean, when you look at the Middle East and the arguments for us going into countries over there, it's, oh, my God, look at there's, you know, this, this government, they're doing terrible things to their people. Let's go get them. Well, you know, we're we're pretty buddy-buddy with Saudi Arabia, but it's not like that's a great place to be. You know, that government's no better than most of the others in the Middle East, yet we're best friends with them. You know, so, you know, if the argument is we need to go save these people, you know, why haven't we blown up Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia too, you know? Yeah, all, I mean, all dirt roads to lead to fucking Saudi Arabia. You know, Saudi Arabia, um, you know, uh, within within the last seven, what, 80 years, 90 years, um, was was a chiefdom, was a, was a tribal area. Um, and, uh, you know, King Faisal's grandfather, no, it's King Faisal's father, um, was the toughest badass on the block and had the baddest gang with the most brothers and so on and so forth, um, and started to, uh, accumulate, um, some, some larger, uh, hunting territories, and of course, being in the desert, one of the big deals is finding water. Um, he finally accumulated enough uh, wealth where he hired um, a Western Geological Survey company to come in to look for water. And uh, well, what do you know? They found oil instead of water. Um, and quote unquote from. Um, Saudi Arabia's uh, Minister of Energy, uh, it's the same all the time. Every time we go out to look for water, we find more oil. Um, and, uh, well, the House of Saud, of Saud uh, um, aligned themselves with the uh, Wahhabi uh, peoples, um, although they weren't, you know, they are Sunni, right? Yeah, I think. Oh, man, I get it all confused. But, yeah, they're, they're Sunni, um, and uh, they align themselves with the with the Wahhabists in that region because they were the baddest motherfuckers on the block. They offered them protection, um, and, uh, and then, you know, things became symbiotic. The Wahhabists uh, attached themselves to um, Faisal, and uh, once that Western geological company uh, found oil, essentially, um, Faisal turned his back on the Wahhabists because at that point he knew he was going to have to bring in uh, Western infrastructure. Um, but the root of ISIS is with these Wahhabists. Um, and, um, you know, so, I mean, this is like, you know, this is Corleone shit, basically, in the desert. Um, it's not it's not that much different, um, and uh, so essentially, um, who's it in 
World, right after World War II, um, there was a promise uh, made to King Faisal, who had now named the country after uh, his family, Saud, Saudi Arabia, um, essentially uh, backstabbed and betrayed the Wahhabis um, by, um, or excuse me, he did that earlier, um, to them to bring in this oil, to get this money. I think, you know, I think that Exxon... Or at that American oil at that at that point paid our standard oil at that point paid uh, Faisal ten thousand dollars for that for the oil field at the at the time. Ten thousand. Okay. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Well, and uh, one thing that like is really interesting is that like uh, the oil around the the Middle East is about a hundred dollars a barrel. Um. Uh, yeah, so, and usually they're a lot more expensive, and they actually got it from cheap around Saudi Arabia, since they've, like, uh, kind of helped to actually distort the the, the public and uh, the area around that, um, so then they can actually make it a lot more cheaper. So I think it's pretty interesting, you know? Also, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're the linchpin, you know, Saudi Arabia. That, so... Uh, just to, to wind up, you know, this story, and then we'll move on to something a little less uh, pedantic. Um, but, uh, you know, so it, uh, essentially, um, United, you know, the United States government, while they were drawing up the Treaty of Versailles, promised uh, the House of Saud that, um, uh, that, that nothing would, would be given to uh, the Jewish people, um, uh, um, in compensation for um, for the horrors that they endured during the Holocaust and the genocide that they endured, and that the Palestinian people and and the other um, Arab people in in that area um, at the time would not be displaced. And uh, unfortunately, Roosevelt died two weeks after making that promise. Um, and uh, you know how that goes. Um, Israel was established. So there's this deep-rooted, um, uh, latent, um, underlying um, sort of anger from Saudi Arabia uh, um, towards the United States, towards the West. Um, it manifests in the fact that if, you know, what was it, 15 of the 19 hijackers are, are Saudi, there's more... Um, Saudi nationals in 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 uh, Syria um, than there are Syrians. There's more Saudi nationals in um, uh, Iraq than there are uh, Iraqis. Um, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia with the with the assimilation of um, the House of Saud with the Wahhabist um, and, and and essentially ISIS is. Um, Wahhabist in some sense, although you know they're they're uh, described as as Sunni, um, they, they are for uh, you know for this for this Stone Age um, sort of interpretation of uh, the Quran um, and in and Islam and every anything technical or or, or progressive is, is Satan um, and uh, El Satan. You know, <laughs> Praise Satan. Uh, 
uh, overworked wheat gluten. You got to work the shit out of that wheat gluten to make Satan. Let me tell you something, man. It is no easy task. Um, but uh, you know, so you know, so you have money going. The big only concern about ISIS is the fact that they are extremely well funded. Um, but I mean, make no mistake. If they if if they step out of the box, you know that that they've been granted even a little bit. Um, you know, hell will rain down on them. Um, and uh, I guess I guess sort of the po- the point of what I'm trying to say is is uh, let, you know let's not. And I don't think anybody in this chat room um, will, or any anybody listening that I can tell will, but. Uh, you know, don't let your family, don't let your uh, friends, your coworkers, whatever, be sucked into sort of this, oh, Jesus, uh, ISIS is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. They cut somebody's head off and they're standing on them. You know, first of all, a lot of them are fucking Brits, are Western. Um, and second of all, that shit happens everywhere all the time. It's not some sort of, you know... Uh, newfangled uh, thing. No, yeah. you know, it's not some embodiment of fucking Mephistopheles, you know what I mean? People lop people's heads off all the time. I mean, for Christ's sakes, we used to hang people from trees in public squares, you know? Yeah, well, and even, uh, I don't know if you guys remember from a little while ago, um, like when Amber Lyon came out with her story, you know, the when the Bahrainian government was cracking down on protesters, you know, they were tear gassing places and, you know, really it's nothing pleasant, but did, did we ever hear about it, you know, here here in the news about how bad it is, how terrible it is? No, because we've got a massive Navy base that's right there. You know, it's important to the region. And, you know, it, it's this, they, they show you bad things when they want you to, when they want you to see, you know, otherwise you're never going to, you know, it, it's like that all over the region but they just pick and choose where they want you to, you know, feel upset about. And, and, sorry, and the general audience is, is so uh, malleable that it really is that, that easy, you know. Okay, we're going to direct your attention over here. Watch this hand while I do this. You know, it, it, it uh, um, yeah, it, it it's that easy, and I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. Um, all right, fucking magic tricks. It is. It's magic tricks and sorcery and mirrors. Um, <laughs> um, Josh, also, I I checked out the um, the the new site. Uh, that, um, Dalek, remind me of the name again. It's Doge. The Dogestonian. The Dogestonian, excellent The Dogestonian, the, the Smithsonian for Dogecoin. I love it, man. That's awesome. I love the Doge. Um, I know Dalek is into the Doge. Um, and uh, I, I, lo- I, 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 like, I, re- I like all the cryptocurrencies. I like anything novel. I'm easily distracted, shiny thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, really, I really do like the Doge um, because... Uh, of uh, of the emissaries, I love the way um, that they've been able to um, integrate uh, Twitter and, and maybe other social media um, with like the tip bot 
and um, and and you know going out on a limb and uh, uh, sponsoring a race car driver. Um, Dallas, we got to get him to sponsor our demolition derby. Oh yes, that would be a lot of fun. Also, um, could I actually now this? I think we might as well uh, hit this uh, kind of uh, nail in the head. So, um, so what do you uh, think about uh, the 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 founder of Dogecoin actually saying that it's cult-like and he's getting out of the the community? Yeah, I saw that. Um, I think yesterday I saw it. It's going to be interesting to see how how that ends up affecting the community, but. To some extent, I, I feel like the Doge community is it's much bigger than just one person, you know? Absolutely. No, I, I, I this is what happens with owners, man. The cold as, as somebody who's owned several business entities, this is what happens with owners. <laughs> they have, they have, they have, you know, they have an idea. Um, uh, they act on it. Um, it, 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 it. it it gets some groundswell, it, it gets some momentum, it gets bigger. All of a sudden, a, a small little sliver of panic starts to set into the owner that, holy shit, this is my creation, this is my idea, and now I'm losing control of it. Uh, oh, my God, oh, my God, this isn't what I wanted. And that's a natural progression of the creative process. Um, it, didn't surpri- it doesn't surprise me at all that, that, that he's getting out of the community because, um, you know, with 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 people need to understand when they create something is that a creator is not a controller. Those are two different things. A creator, no, especially in the cryptocurrency world, exactly. And a creator is somebody who plants a seed, waters it, nurtures it for a little bit till it's till it's visible, popping through the ground, and then he leaves it alone and he lets that. That that thing evolve and develop um, and become, uh, you know, the 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 flower of the seed that they planted. But but making that transition from an from an owner's perspective, from an uh, uh, you know an ego perspective, it's extremely difficult. Um, yeah, and it's also you have to keep in mind that when Dogecoin was you know when it first came out. It, it wasn't meant to be serious, really. It, it, it was kind of just by surprise that it turned into something legitimate. You know, I mean, it, it was originally just a big joke. Yes, yeah, speak, speak about that because it was it was like a lark, right? But but uh, what, what's the story behind that? I mean, uh, it, it essentially, it was just supposed to be kind of a joke as a play on the you know the Doge meme, um, and then I think it, it just turned into. Um, you know, you had so many people that, that were actually using it that ended up, you know, mostly putting their efforts into, you know, funding people, not about, you know, making money like a lot of people first when they were getting into Bitcoin. It was just all about, you know, making a quick buck. You know, when you look at Dogecoin, you know, the first big things that it did, it, it sent the Jamaican bobsled team to the Olympics. Um, they yeah. sent the Indian losers to the Olympics. They were able to raise enough for a couple um, clean water wells in Kenya. Um, and then the Doge car came, and I, it, it exploded even more after that just because, you know, it, it, a little crazy for 
something that started as a kind of a joke crypto all of a sudden be sponsoring a car in the Sprint Cup, which is, you know, arguably the, the biggest marketing behemoth in the world. Yeah, it was brilliant. And yet, like the infrastructure, I still, you know, I, I when I go on, on different people's crypto blogs, like, you know, I still see cats, like, fixing their Raspberry Pis and their, and their um, you know, and, and putting in new graphics cards into their computers to manage the networks. Like, I love the grassroots of that shit. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the reason Dogecoin took off, honestly, is because it seemed like more or less from the start, other than the joke aspect, it just turned into, you know... I hate the, the term, like, redistribution of wealth, but it turned into people, you know, like, voluntarily saying, hey, let's spread this around. Let's get people using it. You know, let's, you know, let's, let's fund charities and stuff that actually need it. And I've, I've posted it a couple times on Twitter. There's a great quote from Penn Gillette that I, I think really sums up the, the Dogecoin community. And uh, it, it, it's, um, I'll read it now. Let me find the picture. Here it is. Uh, goes, it's amazing to me how many people think that voting to have the government give poor people money is compassion. Helping poor and suffering people yourself is compassion. Voting for our government to use guns to give money to give money to people to help poor and suffering is immoral, self-righteous, bullying, laziness. People need to be fed, medicated, educated, clothed, and sheltered. If we're compassionate, we'll help them. But you get no moral credit for forcing other people to do what you think is right. There's great joy in helping people, no joy in doing it. Done. That's spot on. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think that's really what caused Dogecoin to take off is it was all about, you know, helping people. I don't know many people who got into Dogecoin to, you know, really make themselves rich. I mean, there's uh, the one guy on Twitter, I know Dalek's probably seen it, um, his Twitter handle is at Dogestorm. Over the past couple of weeks, he's, the guy has given away, I think, well over 4 million, it might be close to 5 million Dogecoin, you know, just from the Doge tip bot. I mean, that's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. And, the, and, and I, I think that's, I mean, that's part of, like, that emissary, like, I, you know, yeah, the ethos behind Dogecoin seems you know, at least from from where I'm standing, it it feels different from the other cryptocurrencies. You know, um, and and uh, maybe that's just my perception. Um, but there does seem to be sort of, um, you know, if not an altruistic underlying sort of uh, um, uh, continuing um, thread about it, it there's um, there's a there's a game theory thread about it. Um, you know, sort of a symbiotic uh, thread. Um, which I think is great, and um, uh, you know, yeah, that the tip bot thing. I mean, there's just a lot of it's interactive. It's very, it can be very interactive. Um, you know, um, you know, to be able to. And it's also, I mean, along it goes with the cryptocurrency idea. I mean, since when were you able to transfer someone, you know, money via Twitter within seconds? You know, that, that's yeah, that's just a new thing. And yeah. uh, um, one thing about it, uh, the service Cryptiv is actually making like a an application for people to actually uh, donate Doge, Dogecoin to uh, to their favorite uh, 
uh, YouTube creators, uh, content creators. So I think it's really interesting uh, what this technology is really doing uh, to help, uh, you know, content creators and uh, many other people that really are trying to share their stuff. And instead of a like button or a favorite button, now you get to actually send real money to people that uh, that would really appreciate and really like. Hello. Sorry, I got I got cut off for a second there. I'm I'm furiously closing windows. Um, yeah, I mean that's really that's really uh, world changing. It's like um, you know it's like a, a national endowment for the arts arts, news, and, um, you know, and B, whatever, um, at the tip of anybody's fingers. Um, Like, that's free market enterprise right there. You know, fuck the networks. Um, If if networks um, had to rely on, um, you, you know, not advertising dollars and contracts that last, you know, years and years and are prepaid and all that, but had to had to rely on, you know, the actual critical feedback manifested in um, a tip, for lack of a better term, uh, that's free market enterprise right there. Um, that's a free market system. Um, and I think, I think that's to some extent why it scares people because most people these days really don't know what a true free market is. I'm not going to tell the parking space story again. I promised Alec, but but it's fun. Have fun. I I I just if I ever have like an extra 25 minutes or so, and I'm in a busy area, um, you can create pandemonium um, by uh, putting your reverse lights on in a in a busy parking lot while you're in a prime spot, and then getting out of the car and auctioning it off. <laughs> Absolute panda fucking monium, dude. Um, cops will be there within ten minutes. You're gonna have epithets being hurled at you. Um, it's hilarity, man. Uh, but yet, yeah, same idea. Uh, that is why why it scares people. Um, you know, free market. Yeah, sure, free market. Um, until you take it out of the uh, little box um, that that free market is defined by by these days. Uh, make everything free market, man. Your fucking potholes aren't getting fixed, you know. Go ask the neighbors how much they're gonna pay. They'll pay you to fix the potholes right now. Yeah, and then drive to Home Depot or Lowe's, grab a bag of grab a bag of tar or concrete, and go fix it yourself. And that's that's actually what happened. I don't know if you've seen some of the stories. There's there's been over the past year quite a few all over the country just pothole vigilante articles, and they're hilarious to read because. You know, they'll post the thing saying, you know, all oh, the police are looking for this guy because he's been, you know, tampering with the, with the roadway or something. It's like, you're going to arrest the guy for doing the job that the city was supposed to be doing anyways? You know, what, what, what the fuck? That's that narrow, narrow def- definition of free market capitalism. Yeah, it's a fucking charade. Um, a- absolutely. Um, Dalek. What what yep. what's going what's going on in your section in your section of the world? Um, you've been keeping busy. Uh, yeah, I've been working. That's one thing. I mean, yeah, I've gotten like a job uh, 
I just uh, got paid, like, uh, fixing up a foundation, so, yeah. It's pretty cool. Wait, what did you do? I fixed up a foundation. Oh, like your house foundation? Uh, Yeah, like a house foundation. Like, uh, we had to raise that thing up, like, 10 inches. God damn, dude. I just, I did basically the same thing. Um, Um... In February, we had, like, a huge fluctuation in temperature, Um, and I live on a, a, you know, uh, sort of in the foothills of, uh, you know, for the East Coast, it's a pretty big mountain. Um, And uh, we had uh, huge uh, temperature fluctuations in one week, and um, we we literally had a corner of, of our foundation pop out and uh, another great example of, of sort of maybe this emerging cooperative attitude, uh, you know, was in, in Vermont. I mean, I was, I was panicked. I talked to Glenn about it for a little bit. Um, uh, I was really quite panicked. It's, uh, you know, I like my little house, you know, all that bullshit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think after maybe 12 hours of, of just making a few calls to uh, friends of mine who are um, in the contracting business or excavating business or whatever. I had like 10 guys up here uh, with a backhoe, um, you know, helping me reset it so uh, it would make it at least till spring. And, and we, we just put in 15 of these, um, of these tension uh, I-beams, uh, um, iron I-beams that are on uh, spring spring loaders. And uh, so they'll set the, the wall that, that buckled or, or partially buckled. Um, they're setting it slowly uh, back into place. It's pretty fucking cool, man. I dig all that shit. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we just basically dig holes and, and, you know, try to fix up, uh, like, a... We had to jack it up and then just kind of put more posts on there and just said, all right, we're all good. And that's pretty much it, man. Right on, man. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and uh, moving on to, you know, I don't want to get stuck too much in this in this Middle East. Josh, what, what, uh, we, we started our conversation because Alec and I were talking about a, uh, about, uh, doing a show on Dogecoin and, and, and weed. Um, you live in Connecticut. Um, what's, what's the, uh, you know, what's the, crim- the decriminalization, criminalization, uh, um, state of affairs in Connecticut right now? Uh, well, I think we can start with, they, we have the medical marijuana here. Um, it, it, it's pretty, pretty strict in terms of, um, like what illnesses? I th- it's. I'm pretty sure it's restricted to pretty much just like cancer, um, AIDS. I think they have um, some of the different muscular diseases in there, but it, it, it's pretty strict in terms of who can get it medically. Um, in terms of the decriminalization, I feel like in most of the like I'm not in a very big, big city in Connecticut. I mean, it's it's I guess it's big for Connecticut, but it's. You know, outside of the, the Hartford, Bridgeport, New Havens, um, you know, the problem has never really been, um, you know, weed, and, and that's never really been 
a big thing on the cops' minds. I mean, even even busting people for little stuff around here, they never really did it. They were more concerned about going after, you know, overall suppliers rather than, you know, the, the little guy on the street. Um, but the past few years, they've just had so much problems with, you know, heroin and, and pills and stuff like that that they didn't really care about weed in the first place. There were people dying, you know. So I guess to some extent that makes this area of Connecticut a little different than most places in the country because obviously, as we know, there's plenty of people locked up in federal prisons for simple possession of weed. So, um, But it, it definitely, the mood's changed around here a lot. I think it's still, um, you know, old people that are still kind of stuck in their, you know, um, can't think of the stupid film's name from way back when. Um, <laughs> uh, Reefer Madness. Yeah, they're still stuck in that Reefer Madness kind of kind of mindset. Um, but I'd say overall, it's been a fairly positive trend. Um, I, I think slowly it'll probably continue, and especially, um, you know, after seeing Washington and Colorado, I think a lot of states are realizing. And again, this could be partially a problem that, hey, there's money to be made here. You know, we're, we're wasting money arresting people and locking them up. We could be making money, you know, legalizing and, and, and you know, taxing it and everything. Um, and, and Absolutely. Like, uh, the, the, the biggest um, 180 uh, is generally seen in the southern states, you know, so, so against the thought of, of wacky tobacco, of reefer madness, besides the whole tobacco thing, just the whole, you know, dirty hippie fucking jazz singing stereotype of weed. Um, but when they saw that cake coming into the Colorado and, and Washington, man, they, they, there's, there are some southern states that five years ago you could get locked up for a decade or a fucking slice of weed, for an eighth of weed, um, that are that are now in the process of uh, making it a, a, a you know a viable revenue stream for for their for their uh, for their state state affairs. Um, which for us, um, and and if you ever, God forbid, have to go to the south, um, I guess that's definitely a positive trend. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got its positives and negatives. I mean, the fact that it's been, you know, legalized, that, that's obviously a huge push forward. Um, but like I think Dallas had mentioned at the beginning, you know, w- with all the taxes and everything, if it's still cheaper via the black market, you know, that's still going to be the preferred choice for a lot of people. Um, so the problem is you can't have this then come in and, and, you know, all this massive regulation and taxes because, you know, you're just, you're not really changing anything. People are still going to go to who they were going to. You know, there may be a few people who, who would go to the shops, but for the most part, you know, you're not really changing that that much. The only thing you're changing is just people aren't going to prison for. Right. And, and, that, and that is a, a big positive. Oh, definitely. I mean, th- there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just think it's one of those things, and again, as an anarcho-capitalist, if you say, I want to tax something, I obviously don't approve just on a very fundamental basis, but I, I guess that in our current system, it's, it, it, you know, baby steps forward, so you can't really 
knock it for that. Yeah, but I I agree. I mean, you know, I agree with with your point on on taxation. Um, you, I mean, and and your point on you know, I, I will probably always go to go to my guy, um, as opposed to a dispensary. Um, you know, getting getting medication in this country, um, it's not the easiest or most pleasant thing. Um, to do, regardless of what that medication is, um, you know, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of fucking rigmarole you go through. Um, you know, so so there's that barrier. I think an, another positive um, of, of the uh, of the not of not getting arrested, of, of this not being a um, steady uh, stream of inmates for the for the prison industrial complex. Um, uh, I think that's positive. Um, unfortunately, um, is such a an embedded institution in our society that they'll find another way to fill those beds. Oh uh, yeah. Well, uh, of what do you expect when you've got the, the massive prison unions and everything behind it that that lobby for most of these laws to make sure that the places are packed full and they need more money to fund them, more beds, more guards. I mean, it, it's a never-ending cycle. But, but again, you can at least look to Colorado because there was a, a report a couple weeks back. It might have been longer than that at this point um, that that their overall crime rate had, had seen, I think, it was like a 10% drop. And, you know, obviously their revenue was, was way up. It was, it was millions and millions from all, all the taxation of it. But, you know, and, and they had um, a couple, like, police departments, their chiefs, um, come out right around the same time as that report saying, you know, oh, there's so many accidents from all these high people and there's more crime and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the report comes out, hey, crime's down. You know, so if crime is down, why would you have police chiefs out there claiming that crime is up and this is such a terrible thing other than, you know, they're afraid <laughs> they're going to lose a lot of funding because there's less need to chase people down for victimless crimes. Exactly. They're not yep. gonna get they're not gonna get their amphibious fucking hovercraft troop mover. Uh, yeah, and they won't get their fucking bear cats or any of the yeah. drones. Fucking damn yeah. drones. You know what? There are there are there's like drones over here, like right nearby around like the the Mesa County area, and it just makes me so mad. You know, like our fucking tax dollars goes to that bullshit. I mean, come on, really? You you see them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw oh, a, a little bit around the the downtown area. Like uh, yeah, there were I, actually like little the little like three prong thingy-bobs. Yeah. 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 Oh, my friend and I up here in Connecticut, we've seen quite a few drones flying overhead. And just as a thing, whenever we see them, we always grab the the flashlights on our phone and, and flash SOS to have to see if anything happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. We just go flip them off. Just say, fuck you. <laughs> well, we, we do that. You know, you got one hand with the finger up, the other one tapping on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You want to you want to test their their automated capabilities. Like, okay, are they up there to to help somebody? If you know, if if I mean, that so would far, actually be a pretty good application for a drone. If somebody could, you know, get an app and then I mean, I'm not proposing uh, 
the drone, <laughs> drones are, are benevolent, but that could be one good application for a drone is if, if it could pick up patterns from a, a cell phone application if somebody was in trouble and then, you know, render assistance by communicating the proper uh, emergency services or whatever. But obviously yeah. that's not I think when, when you're talking about drones, it, you have to look at it just like all technology. I mean, it, it's all about who's in control of it, really. You know, when yeah. it's government, you can be assured nothing, they're not going to use it for anything good. They're going to use it for their own needs. I mean, there's there, there's plenty of viable applications for drones. You know, it's just like I said, it comes down to who's in control of them. Yeah, you're 100% right. Um, and, and I guess that's what I, what I meant was, yeah, on an institutional level from, uh, uh, you know, uh, controlled by, by uh, the bureaucracy, uh, yeah, there's not much uh, good that can come of it. But, my God, yeah, they're incredibly handy devices. I mean... If you're a rancher or a farmer, you know, who uh, oversees thousands of acres and thousands of head of expensive, you know, beef cattle, uh, yeah, I mean, fucking A, they're fun as shit to play with, too. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I got to play with, say that, Dalek? Uh, um, uh, about like the one thing I know that PETA wanted to use them so then they can uh, stop a little bit of poaching over in Africa. Right. See, there's another good, uh, another good uh, application for for drones, but um, that would probably take a a, a nonprofit to um, or an NGO of some sort that all have their own problems. Um, to get something like that going, or Doge, Doge could do it. That actually sounds like a good idea, man. Um, and maybe think of something uh, to to jump into. Oh, um, yes, was an- another uh, thread that that don't tread on us. Uh, the blog um, led me down today was um, an article um, citing. Uh, some uh, recent, the recent extrapolation of, of some uh, crime data um, before Silk Road closed and after Silk Road closed, um, and there is there there is data that that um, uh, backs the argument that um, between large, uh, medium-sized uh, drug syndicates. Um, Violence was actually down while Silk Road was open. Um, a little, a little interesting sidebar going back to uh, the the marijuana discussion about the, you know, crime going down. I mean, it, there's uh, prohibition um, or or the lifting of prohibition um, almost without exception uh, um, um, creates a fall. In, um, in in the amount of crime that occurs within that that uh, society, uh, we saw it after alcohol prohibition. Um, you look at any of the uh, uh, northern European countries or Portugal, um, who have uh, uh, decriminalized all drugs and not only decriminalized them but provided uh, public spaces that are monitored by um, nurses and, and medical staff. Um, uh, to 
to administer their drug of choice uh, pr- primes down like 50%. In a lot of these countries, um, the economy is down by like 30%. Unemployment is up by like 20%. Yet crime is going down. Um, that is a remarkable um, uh, data set to look at. And it's probably caused a lot of uh, surprise in uh, analytic firms. Um, yeah, um, the the thing you're talking about, it was um, it was a paper by two. I'm pretty sure they were from uh, Great Britain. I think off the top of my head, um, it was called uh, the paper itself was called "Not an eBay for Drugs." Um, the crypto market still growed as a paradigm shifting criminal innovation. And uh, when you think about it, it, it makes perfect sense that it would drop crime because one you're not necessarily you, you aren't ever dealing with someone face to face i mean you can't you know hurt someone through a computer so obviously you take that level down and i mean it, when you look at a lot of crime in the actual drug black market it comes more from you know people stealing money or drugs or not paying for something you know, that wasn't really an option with Silk Road. You know, you paid with your Bitcoins and it comes to you in the mail. It's simple as that. Yeah. Um, and uh, one thing about, like, the Silk, Ro- uh, the Silk Road, I, um, I, I've been on it, like, uh, a few times here and there. And I remember uh, when you want a supplier or something, you can actually write down reviews of how good the guy is. Uh, you give him, like, uh, like, this amount of stars out of something or other, and then you could say this guy's good or this guy's bad. So yeah, it was it was kind of like a crazy little, you know, better business market than within a black market. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it really was. It really was in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, like a a, a a perfect little model um, of uh, of of commerce. I mean, if you if you just remove um, uh, the illicit nature of, um, of the products that, that were being sold, um, it operated, uh, as, as far as, as I can tell, not that I ever used it, <laughs> um, it, it operated extremely well. Um, yeah, it's like a little, it was like a little uh, Yelp, eBay, uh, all rolled into one, you know, and and most people interact with people with other people with a, a certain amount of uh, uh, courteousness, um, you know, and, and and your point about removing um, the physical interaction of the drug transaction, uh, the narcotic track uh, transaction, out of the equation. Um, can't be can't be uh, underestimated, you know, uh, because of all the all the um, uh, conditioning about drugs and and the consequences, et cetera. You know, people go into those situations extremely amped up and extremely tense, um, and so you know, and and they're armed to the teeth for the most part, um, and. That's not a good combination, and, and uh, people get get hurt. Um, so removing kind of that that uh, you know face to face element of um, you know of a of a illicit business transaction, I think certainly will will reduce violence. On the other side of the coin, um, what's been interesting to see is 
um, and, and this kind of comes full circle um, just because everything is just scale, right, um, to Iraq and when Silk Road um, got taken down um, and all these copycats popped up, um, people were getting ripped off left and right because, uh, you know, the big boss was gone. There's a vacuum. Uh, the model has been created. The template was left. Um, and um, so in come, you know, the scavengers and the, and, and the rip-off artists and the con men. And, and it's the same thing that, that's uh, happening in Iraq. Um, you know, we removed... Um, you know, the Ba'ath army, um, the Ba'ath construct of, of society, um, and, uh, and then bolted. Um, and to, you know, expect anything in, in that region, um, but, but chaos um, and bloodshed uh, when one group thinks that they can... Um, uh, attain um, higher status, um, a higher level on the on the old uh, you know feeding chain. Um, they're going to scrap and claw and do whatever they can, um, you know, to to make that move. Um, you know, and hence and hence we, we have uh, you know we have Syria where the fighting between. Um, the so-called uh, anti-Assad factions is as brutal and, and bloody, perhaps not on the same scale, but nonetheless uh, vicious. Um, you know, is the fighting going on between the so-called enemy um, and the uh, revolutionary? Um, yeah, so it's a tangled web we weave. Um, indeed, indeed. Um, Another another interesting thing that, that happened today um, that sort of uh, reaffirms um, my own sense that, that Obama's presidency is over um, and that he's basically a sitting lame duck was the, the Supreme Court um, overturned three appointments that he made um, to labor unions because he didn't consult um, Congress. And Josh... Uh, you covered that in your blog, um, and I, yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you guys had seen it from. It would have been years ago, I think. At this point, um, there was at one point I can't remember which committee it was in, um, but the the question about those appointees, um, someone was being asked, and and uh, there's a great video um, of uh, Congressman Trey Gowdy from South Carolina just making the witness just look like a fool, which he's, he's pretty damn good at in some of those hearings. Um, so it was definitely interesting to see that decision come today because, you know, the way back when in those hearings, you know, the, the witnesses they brought in was, oh, yes, they're fine, you know, but when, when they were asked why, why are they okay, they couldn't give an answer, which, again, if you watch enough of the congressional hearings, that's nothing new from the witness. But... <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that is, that's like, that's, that's like a ubiquitous pattern. Nobody knows any, has any idea, nobody reads anything in the government, you know. Nobody reads the precy on, you know, who's nominated to be, you know, appointed to this or that. Um, 
you know, I do I do watch C-SPAN sometimes in congressional, you know, hearings and um, of things that, that interest me. And it, it, it astounds me, the lack of preparation, research, even superficial, um, that these elected I mean, officials do. Yeah, I, I love watching the congressional hearings. I say it's the best reality, like, television show that you can find on TV because the stupidity that comes out of some of the people. And I mean, you know, again, when you're talking about like some of these, like the IRS scandal, they've had a few hearings on that. It's amazing watching it because you'll have, you can tell there's some people on the committee that genuinely think there's a problem that needs to be fixed. It's not, you know, necessarily even a political thing to them. It's just they understand the IRS shouldn't be targeting anyone. Then you've got, you know, the, the Republicans who, you know, want to go home to their district and say, see what I'm doing, I'm I'm questioning people, you know, I'm I'm doing what you elected me to do. And then you've got, you know, the, the Democrats like Elijah Cummings who sit there and I mean, more or less given given the witnesses a rim job, just oh, I'm so sorry that people are treating you this way and, you know, the IRS, you guys deserve more funding and, and blah 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 and it's mind-blowingly stupid, but, you know, it's like a train wreck. You just can't look away. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it really is. Um, another absolute uh, hilarious um, uh, congressional hearing was, was after the um, – was when they, when they bought the, the bankers, um, Jamie Dimond um, et al., uh, you know, in into to sort of figure out what happened with the with uh, Lehman Brothers and the financial collapse. I mean, those guys don't have any fucking idea what's going on. Um, uh, you know, in the world, let alone their own their own their own companies. Um, you know, and of course, there's an element of of playing stupid or playing dumb, and um, but you can't hide true dumb. Um, you know, it's it's written all over their all over their face. Um, yeah. Well, and it, and it's kind of like, um, you know, I, there was a hearing I think a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, it was revolving like involving uh, Social Security and a couple other things like that. And um, they had Social Security judges as the witnesses, and uh, Trey Gowdy was questioning one of them, and. You know, he pointed out to the judge that the judge was breaking multiple laws. Um, he was interjecting himself as a witness instead of being a judge. Um, and, you know, more or less, Gaudi got him to essentially say that out loud. <laughs> and then, you know, come to find out this particular judge, you know, he had overturned, um, like, the, the people under him who, who go through and check people for Social Security. He had overturned the decision not to give people Social Security over 90% of the time. And so Trey Gowdy asked him, he's like, well, if you're overturning the people under you over 90% of the time, you must have some pretty terrible employees because they're obviously not doing their job too well if, if you're overturning everything they do. And, and the guy just sits there kind of mumbling, oh, no, no, I, 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 I no, I, oh, and, and it's just, it's amazing to watch C completely, the fact completely escaping him that that being a good manager means that you delegate and you give clear and concise instruction, 
so you don't have to overturn things that your subordinates, um, you know, do uh, under you. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it really is. And um, unknown, unknown knowns, um, obviously, great name, Rumsfeld, um, holy fuck, you know. Um, and if some of these people are looking to that guy as an example of how to be, my God, are we fucking fucked. Um, and, and Glenn... Um, astutely pointed out, they are shows, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, bread and puppet. And, um, but then why can't they just do that from the Internet and not spend all that money on, on the mall and the Capitol and, and the fancy rooms and the marble, um, you know, and, and we could all just watch it online if, if we wanted to, and they could sit in their underwear and uh, eating Cheetos and, and drinking beer <laughs> Hey, well, well, John McCain's busy playing video poker on his phone when they're discussing whether or not we're going to bomb Syria. You know, that says all you need to know right there. You know, one of the people cheering loudest for, yeah, we need to go blow everyone up over there, not even paying attention, sitting playing video. You know, that really is, um, you know, specifically that it's detestable. Um, You know, the the fact of the matter is is that, that... the people who run this country, um, and some of them are, are my age, and I may even be like this, but I don't aspire to run anything, um, are spoiled brats. They're entitled spoiled brats. Um, and most of them, they're career politicians. You know, that, wasn't, that wasn't something that was originally intended to be a career choice. It was supposed to be go and represent your area for a little while, and then you go back to your normal life. It wasn't supposed to be you know, let's create a career out of figuring out the best way to fuck people over and advance our own self, you know, like, it, it, it's just, that, that's the problem, like, when you look at the worst people in D.C., they're the people that have been there for years and years and years. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, people go into government to make a fortune these days. That is the end goal. The, the, the okay. whole you make, notion. make your friends in the corporations, you, you pass some, some bills that make it easier on them, and then, you know, if and they then, ever decide you want to leave, you go and work for them, you get a nice, cushy job, and you're all set. Yeah, exactly. You bounce back and forth between the public and the private sector. When you need to re-up on the fucking bank account, you go to the private sector, then you go back, make some, some connections, grease some palms, do some favors. In yeah, the public, it's like the... Uh, the, the guy that's the commissioner of the IRS right now, um, Tom, when he was when he was away from from government, he was working for, if I'm not mistaken, for Freddie Mac. Yeah, absolutely. He ran Freddie so, Mac. So, so are you really telling me that someone who's involved in all these banks and all this nonsense, you're going to put him in charge of the IRS? Is it a joke it, or, or, or what? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look who, look who they put, you know, in charge of rebuilding Iraq, Bremer. You know, I mean, they 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 could not have picked, um, you know, a, a, a sketchier, motley crew of, um, of sort of, uh, you know, cloak and dagger, spooky motherfuckers to rebuild Iraq and, um, or quote unquote rebuild Iraq, but. Obviously, what they were doing was sowing the seeds of, of um, you know, this instability that we're, that we're seeing now. 
Um, but it is close. It, it is close to spiraling out of control, um, and it, that seems to be a, a, a reoccurring pattern. Um, you know, for uh, for U.S. For, foreign policy and sort of the slippery slope that um, that our politicians um, like to get on with our intelligence services. Yeah, well, I, you, you mentioned it. It's, it's the project for a new American century bullshit that I, I don't necessarily think it ever went away. I just think it, it kind of quieted down for a little bit. Um, but, I mean, it, it's exactly what they discussed doing. Let's stir up as much shit in the Middle East as we can, and it justifies, you know, more and more wars. Like, And especially when you look at project for a new American century, the budget increases they were talking about back then it's laughable when you look at how much money, you know, defense spending and everything gets now. It's, it, it's, yeah. pennies. it's pennies for what they wanted. Yes. Yeah, and um, uh, one thing that's really interesting is that uh, it was $70 billion back around uh, 2004 for our defense spending. And now it's about 280 um, for our defense spending. That's, yeah, I mean, that's it's staggering. just insane, and it, it, we were warned about it. Like uh, that, that's the thing that just that, that pisses me off the most is like you just look back at just quite the Eisenhower leaving leaving the presidency says, "Hey, watch out for this. It's not good. It's going to rear its ugly head." and you're going to be fucked. You're going to be stuck in this military-industrial complex where war is the health of the state, and people just, hmm, don't worry about it. It won't happen here. It can't happen here. This is America. I mean... America, fuck yeah. Ike was 100% right, um, and, and, Dalek, uh, and Dalek brought up... Um, last night, Smedley Butler, you know, which was, which was pre... Um, Ike, and then uh, Kennedy warned us again, um, you know, but hey, TV, shiny thing. Um, and now uh, our economy is, um, you know, you can't detach the U.S. economy from the military-industrial complex, um, and you can't detach the military-industrial complex from the oil and energy industrial complex um you know it, it's it, it's interesting if you look at at the uh at the saudi at the saud family um um they've had a lot i mean they've always had gobs and gobs of gobs of money but when you i guess when you have a certain amount of money and it dips down below a level that you're comfortable with um you got to re-up um the saud family is is at um, like a 20-year low um, of, of money in their coffers, um, and to uh, finance um, uh, chaos um, and so discord, um, obviously, uh, will will play into their bank account um, in the long run, and. You know, it, it it does seem in the last couple of years, um, with uh, recent climate change, whether it's cyclical or or um, 
augmented by human interaction, whatever your your thoughts may be. Um, the weather's been hectic. Um, there does seem to be some some glimpse on the horizon of uh, of an age without oil. And can you imagine the panic um, and, and anxiety that 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 must cause amongst um, all one percent of the one percent? Um, because they're so heavily invested um, in in any industrial complex, um, you know, whether through a hedge fund or whether through their wealth management firm or whatever it is, um, you know, that 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 to uh, look at a future where where that revenue wasn't coming in um, and where you can't say for certain certainty that three generations from now my offspring, my heirs will be uh still living high on the hog. Um, you know, that that's um um that's enough um to uh catalyze people who can make serious moves into making serious moves um and uh you know shifting things around so the prognosis for the Middle East uh, for the next decade, um, while uh, the last, um, you know, not that it'll oil will run out in the Middle East, it very well may not. That's not what I'm saying, but it may be supplanted by something um, that the that the general populace um, prefers, and and that can't be uh, a lid can't be kept on it. Um, but uh, shit, did the show just end? Um, no, oh, no, over. we have about one uh, one minute and fifty seconds. So uh, if you guys hey. want to do the, if you guys want to do more overtime, that would be awesome. I'm happy for it. You know, right on. Hell yeah, I'm always down for overtime. So if anybody wants to join us in overtime, call in. You have one minute and thirty seconds. Um. But uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been awesome to talk talk to you. Um, uh, one more quick interjection: uh, the yeah. call line is six four six nine two nine one four eight zero. Please call in if you guys want to listen to the overtime. Thank you, Dallas. But uh, I'll definitely be keeping in touch and uh, keeping up on your blog. Um, there were there there's so many things we could we could still get into. We'll, we'll have to do it again. But um, any closing any closing thoughts josh what 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 do you see on on the horizon um i mean you you update your blog so so often like it, you it must be a pretty much a constant ongoing uh endeavor yeah uh daily thing um like i said i i don't necessarily even consider it work at this point it's just you know i i enjoy doing it i mean i i I'm into all all of this stuff, you know, and uh, I I just think, you know, more people should be aware of, you know, news that's actually important rather than, you know, the the dog and pony show you're going to get if you're watching something from a cable, you know, cable network. Well, I I think you disseminate um, and articulate and write really well, so keep spreading, keep spreading, uh, keep spreading your gospel, brother. Um, I will try. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from you know my perspective, uh, it's it's really concise and, and well put together, um, and and that doesn't that those those things don't always happen um, with people on our side. Sometimes um, uh, can the message can get a little jumbled. Um, so I, for one, certainly appreciate the work. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. It's not work, man, um, because. Uh, labor of love. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on, and I definitely hope I can uh, come back on again. Yeah, you will, for sure, man. And, uh, yeah, let's stay in touch, brother. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you guys You guys got me on Twitter, so you can definitely find me there. Absolutely, man. And, uh, yeah, if you're ever up in Vermont, man, give me a shout. Definitely will. And Excellent. be free to call to onto the show, my friend. Always be free yeah, to always. on the show. Absolutely. And we are in overtime. Are we? Yeah, we are. Excellent. Nice job, Doc. That was good. Did I did I ramble too much? No, no. I mean no. I mean you usually don't really ramble very much. I, I, I can I can tangent I can tangent with the best of them, but I I can take criticism. You did you you got a new mic or, or something? Your sound quality is excellent. I I think it might be like the connection, so I don't know. I mean it's it's nice. Um, I'm also getting probably in about the next week, so I'm probably getting a uh, um a USB microphone. So nice. Yeah. Um, you know, on a, on a side note, I've been, um, talking to a couple of potential, um, sponsors who would like kick in for equipment and, um, membership. This one, uh, um, uh, company called Spring 13 is, uh, particularly interested in, they're a, uh, um, a brand management firm in DC, um, that, uh, a buddy of my, a friend of a friend started, um, and we we met um, eating oysters and drinking beer, and, and uh, I'm doing some social media for for his company now, and um, uh, that would be killer if if that happened. Oh, dude, yeah, I mean, I I would do it, and uh, we could always like. Uh... We can definitely sponsor Josh and his uh, blog. You know, we can always say this is also brought to you by Don't Tread on Us blog. That's yeah, Don't Tread on Us blog dot com. We should get on. Uh, we should we should definitely get on Pirate Pat or something. And come up with a, a list of that of like that type of uh, you know endorsement we want to give. I'm pro shout out. Vince may have been anti. I'm pro shout out. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, my brother. Um, today's Thursday. Uh, yeah, it, today's Thursday. Yep. I, I'm. Uh, um, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna get right back on the horse and uh, let's put together another show. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, what time would you want to do that show? Um, and I'm. I'm. I'm pretty flexible for the next couple of weeks. Uh, okay. Um, I don't have rest restaurants not very busy. I don't have any outside gigs. Um, I'm open, man. Um, I'm All gonna, right. I'm 
start soliciting uh, um, some people like Adam Kokesh and, and uh, to be a guest. Oh, my God. That would be the most greatest thing. I mean, God. I, it, you know, it, I'm not all fangirlish very much, but when uh, Adam Kokesh, you know, he was my first. He's my first person that I really got the the understanding of voluntarism and anarcho-capitalism. It, it's yeah, I, yeah. I like I like Kokesh a lot, but you know I think he's uh, he's a real dude. Um, um, you know, and he's a fucking veteran, dude. He was there. Um, you know, he's a he's a beast. Um, you know, when that whole thing went down the July 4th thing and he loaded that shotgun, I, I swear he was on the verge of, like, a nervous breakdown anyway for for some other shit. Like, you could, you know, I, you could see it. Like, if you watch his podcast, you know, over the course of several months, um, you know, I don't I don't know what stress happened, but, but uh, it's almost like that was the best thing that happened because he's, he's back. He's back on his game. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like around the summer, I mean, there was, he was just it seemed like he it's it, it just like that shed of melancholy that just really kind of like uh, he like uh, you can actually see it in him that something's happening and uh, yeah, yeah, like I could see it in his face, and it, I mean, it, and it, uh, you know, I mean, obviously an assumption and speculation, but it looked like PSD, you know. Like, just, you know, like, really, uh, his body was under intense, intense stress, man. And stress is a fucking killer, bro. You know, we worry too much. We think too much. Um, And that's that's one of those pieces of advice that I, I dispense yet can't quite seem to follow myself. I worry quite a bit. Um, But... That's the nature of being intense, I guess. Well, and one thing like, you can always do is just just meditate, my friend. Just absolutely, meditate. Just man. be happy, you know? Dude, you, absolutely, man. That's why I love you, brother. You fucking, you make me happy, man. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people who uh, enjoys melancholia. I enjoy laughter and 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 happiness and and jovility and and fun you know so uh hell yeah fucking love not hate man always yeah yeah all right so um, go, tear up, go tear up twitter I'm, and and put together another sh- and put together another show for uh um we, we haven't done the sunday night show in a while well, well, let's t- let's we'll touch base tomorrow at some point. Um, All right. Well, um, y- y- if uh, Sunday goes, uh, be that, you know, Sunday Bloody Sunday, dude, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Sunday Bloody Sunday. Absolutely. All right. Cool, man. Yo, love you, you, brother. I'll talk. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.